Recorded live. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Stroke Diva Fabulous Show. I am your host, Kamaria T. Richmond, and I have a powerhouse show tonight. I'm so excited. So we are talking to Larry White Sr., and Larry is the CEO and owner of VIP Events Concierge. And we also have on the line Dr. Shelley Hipsky, and she is a best-selling author, also has her own talk show host and owner of Inspiring Lives, LLC. And we have Mr. Ed, excuse me, I'm losing my voice, Ed Reed, and he is into scholarship and also the CEO and president at Academic Management Group. But we're really going to focus on, he is the president-elect, I'm sorry, president-elect Maryland School Counselor Association, and he's also an executive coach and leadership for the John Maxwell team. And I hope I got all of that out right. (laughs) And then we have Nicole Turner, and Nicole is also a best-selling author, speaker, and consultant. So I'm going to... uh, Dial in with have you, Larry, just kind of chime in. I know we're in some time restraints, but Larry, you are an entrepreneur. You have you really get people together. I am so excited that we have become we've developed a relationship because you're keeping me in the loop and as you have in the loop, I have to have all these other people in the loop. So that's great. I thank you for that. But tell us about being an entrepreneur and starting your company and what your company is all about. Well, well, happy holidays to you, Kamaria. Uh, I want to thank you again. I believe this is my third time being on the show, so I'm really truly honored and blessed to be up here with these great folks that we're going to bring out. And I do want to just let everybody know, Ed, Dr. Uh, Hipsky, and often Nicole Turner, as we're speaking, um, tweet Facebook out what's going on. It's really interactive to the social media folks. Uh, I'm going to have to be pretty good to get some more listeners. But uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, some, some are born, some are taught. I was kind of self-taught to be an entrepreneur. Um, just got tired of working a nine-to-five and decided to step out on faith about a year ago and quit my job. And I am good in gathering people together for a purpose and um, obviously, the VIP events concierge, we do event planning, event marketing, and transportation. So the network mixers and the business spotlights, the galas that you see, it's really to honor the people like Dr. Shelley Hipsky and people like Ed to come in and be a sponsor and to now know a lot more about his educational background. I'm excited to tell you some great news that uh, Ed and I will be doing in 2016. And often, author Nicole Turner has been working with us for about a year now. We've done a couple of projects uh, women empowerment um, sessions with uh, Rashawn Shaw from the Oprah Winfrey Show. We've, we've worked with her. Uh, we've worked with Belinda Noma, Dr. Belinda Noma, uh, for Women's Spiritual Conference in Annapolis. So uh, author Nicole Turner has been a blessing to me, Ed Reed, a blessing, and just meeting Dr. Shelley Hipsky. That's why I asked to have him on the show so we can talk about a few things that we've already, <clears throat> excuse me, collaborated on up to this point. Great. Now, uh Dr. Hipsky, you are a best-selling author, and you're also the talk show host and owner of Inspiring Lives LLC. Tell us about your, tell us about yourself and your best-selling book. I'm excited to learn more about that. 
Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I love the concept of your show. That that just warms my heart because a lot of the the women that I work with with the Global Sisterhood of Empowering Women, um, they they have so many different obstacles that they've conquered in my in their lives. And for you to to get out there and and be a diva and and make things happen, that's fantastic. So I feel really blessed to be here today. Thank you so much. So I have been, um, I've started my, my international tour now for the book, the trilogy that I wrote, the Common Threads um, trilogy, which um, really has exploded. Um, within 48 hours of getting it onto Amazon, um, all three became international bestsellers. And then the next day, two books that I co-authored on positivity and the law of attraction went to the international bestseller list. So it's been it's been quite a whirlwind for me um, getting these ladies' stories out. I interviewed a hundred ladies for my Empowering Women radio show, and they're they're all connecting all over and just making a, a huge impact on the world. That is amazing. When I saw it on your bio, thank you. Like that is serious to go to Amazon and then like the next day have another ma- magnificent. Uh, outcomes. That is really ex- exciting. And so, can you tell us a Thank little? Thank I think I lost you there. I I think that you asked me to tell you about the Common Threads trilogy. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. But there's like a little um. Okay, I don't hear anymore. There was a little like static. Yeah, a little static. Okay. Yeah, a little static, yeah. So I would love to tell you more about the trilogy. Um, I interviewed 100 women, like I said, and then I used my research background. Um, I was a u- university tenured professor for a decade at Robert Morris University, and I, I used that researcher lens to look through and figure out the common three themes and threads between all these women, how they were finding success, what obstacles that they conquered, what strategies can we use to find things in the three main areas that came to to me. Um, That is inspiration, empowerment, and that ever-elusive balance, because I think we all are like, some of of us have got that inspiration, and and some of us are really empowered, but once you get to that third book in the series, you're like, okay, everybody's got problems with that. <laughs> so that, that is, it's really been a joy to, to meet these women from Singapore to Africa to Paris and then to connect them up and see, see what magic can happen when we start a movement together. That is amazing. And how awesome is it, is it to deal with women all around the world? Now, is there one big common thread among women, because, you know, we have to do, we're doing the household, we're doing our work, we're doing our, we're in our events, we're networking with our family and friends. Is there like a common thread? Because, you know, we say women are, you know, I am woman, hear me roar. <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely. We are women here, but we roar best together. I can tell you that. I think that in collaboration, that's where it really works. I think that if we approach this collaboration together and that we do it with a heart full of gratitude and giving, like, we're totally unstoppable. And Larry and Ed, we love the men, too. <laughs> I'm not saying we don't. We love you guys, too. But there's something amazing that happens. It's just this magical spark that becomes a flame when you get powerhouse women together and, and 
just make things happen. And so I'm going all over all over the country right now. I'm going to be in California next month. I'll be back in D.C. in February, I think, for something for Larry again. And then I am hosting a huge event here. Um, uh, and, excuse me, a global summit here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, where I'm based out of. Um, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to California next month because it, I'm seeing snow outside. I don't know if you guys are seeing snow outside where you're at, but um, so I'm going to be in Hollywood and the, the Hollywood LA area, then Sacramento, and then I am keynoting the Imagine Talks at the University of Berkeley there next month. Amazing! That is simply amazing. And I know you have to, you know, run. But will you tell our guests how they can reach you, like your Facebook? Or Absolutely. Absolutely. The best way to reach me and to find the Common Threads book trilogy is to go to www.inspiringlivesinternational.com. Again, inspiringlivesinternational.com. That's where you can find me. Um, I'm Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, Instagram, all that good stuff. So uh, I'd love love for you to reach out and, and make contact. There's a contact form right there on the website. And be a part of the global sisterhood. Let's let's make it a make it a movement. Do it together. I love that global sisterhood. I definitely love that. And, and you Thank know, you. it's needed because our young girls today are really coming up. You know, through a rough time, whether it's they're being bullied or teen pregnancy, which I think now is kind of um, slowed down a little bit. But um, yes. you know, having you know education, you know, there's can be so many obstacles for young women. Any absolutely. Well, one of, you know, one of the things that that came to me and my daughter. I have an eight year old daughter, but um, and, and I do, I do have to, I just get off here to soon to get on another radio show. Larry knows, but I just have to tell you that there are many movements happening all over the world too, and one of them is based out of Pittsburgh, and it's Shauna Solomon. She is actually running the Princess Entrepreneurs Group, and that's for little girls with big business plans and neat ideas. So it has, it's starting. It's starting to bubble up. We've got this little mini global sisterhood, little princess entrepreneurs running around and, and making their dreams happen too. So that will be the next generation getting ready to step into the helping inspire the world. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful evening and a wonderful weekend, and happy holidays to you. Thank you. God bless everybody. Take care. Thank you, Dr. Shelihipsky. Thank you. Okay, so Ed, we are going to dive right into you. As we were talking, uh, you are doing this this amazing work when it comes to education, and you also have your own company. And so tell us, you know, one thing that you do is inspirational and I should say executive leadership and coaching, which a lot of companies, I think, really need today. Um, We're sometimes lacking uh, with these companies in integrity, and sometimes you need like that little light to come out and say, wait a minute, we can do this, we can do this better. So tell us about yourself. Sure, absolutely. First of all, I just want to thank all of you for allowing me to just to join you and spend a little time with you on this show. It truly is a privilege and a and a true honor just to be able to come out and share about what I'm doing and 
definitely just be able to be a service to anyone else that might benefit from what we have to offer. Thank you. And so in ter- terms of what we do, it's uh, well, first I'm going to tell you this. It, and I'm going to use the word we, not me, Okay. because I have a team. And one of the things we often say, and, and I'm going to quote a uh, good friend uh, and mentor, John Maxwell, is that one is too small a number to achieve greatness. Oh, I love that. And so it's definitely, I can't take credit for what the team does. I can take credit that I have the opportunity to be a leader amongst leaders on the team. And so with that being said, it, it's you asked me about the leadership coaching and the executive coaching, keynote speaking, those things in that particular area. And I, I agree with you in terms of one of the things that we're lacking in companies and this in organizations, be it profit, nonprofit, is integrity. And I would say I would say one of the reasons we lack integrity is because sometimes you have people moving without a sense of purpose. And when you operate without a sense of purpose, you have the tendency just to move freely and not necessarily thinking about the impact your actions will have. But when you move with a sense of purpose, it defines every fiber that's inside of you. And if you're going to link your purpose to a higher calling, then you have to move with integrity. And so when we get into this coaching, coaching is really about bringing out of a person what's already inside of them, but being able to see their blind spots, being able to shine some lights where they might not be able to see but we look at at the person as an expert on themselves. And as coaches, we begin just to help shape and mold them but what they already bring to the table. I love that, what you, what you just said, the moving. You have to move with a sense of purpose. And in this crazy, crazy world that we live in today, you um, – it's sometimes hard to, to find your purpose. You, is, it may take you, you know, 30, 40 years for it to finally click and say, okay, this is what I was meant here to do. When it comes to education and when it comes to coaching, this is what you were meant to do? Oh, a- absolutely. Let, let me tell you, it's that um, my, my baby, my sweetheart, in terms of businesses, is a company that we launched this year. It's Academic Management Group. And so I would tell you is that one of the things I learned from my pastor, my pastor, he often talks about Jesus, and he said that Jesus spent 30 years of preparation for a three-year mission. And when we look at a life, we go through, and when we pause to reflect on the experiences that we've had, we can go back and look at all of the things that we've experienced in our life has positioned us and prepared us so that we can be equipped to answer the calling that's been put on our lives. In my situation, I'm the first to tell you, I'm a reformed knucklehead 
<laughs> and I defied the odds, and folks who would find out that at one point when I was working in the school system as a high school counselor at one of the top 100 schools in the country, they said, Ed Reed, you're doing what? And then when I went on to become an assistant principal at a prestigious high school, they said, Ed, you're doing what? <laughs> and then when they found out that I got a post-master's degree, is an advanced degree, in counseling and clinical supervision from Johns Hopkins and finished with a 4.0 GPA. They said, Ed Reed, you doing what? <laughs> and I said, let me tell you a little something. I said, it's not about me. It really isn't. I'm the sum product of those who have poured into me, and now it's my time to give back to the next generation. And I got to pour out into them what was poured into me, for I'm nothing but a vessel. And as a vessel, i got to be a river, not a reservoir. You see, because a river is ever-flowing, pouring into all that comes near. But a reservoir stacks up on a hill and just stores and stores and waits for the stormy day. And so as I look at this calling, this, re- this, this piece that I do, It's when I think about children, I think about the challenges that I had as a child. I was one who was bullied. I could tell you there are times I got picked on because I got curly hair. There are times I got beat up. Uh, And I'm going to be very honest with you. There were times where I suffered from depression. Uh, At one point, I spent 12 hours in the hospital where I had attempted suicide as a young kid. And I started to harden up after that point. I didn't think education was important. I started trying to act like I was tough, but my mindset was not where it needed to be. And thank God that I had a couple of mentors and I had some school counselors who really helped me along the way in my journey. And what I learned is that there's a whole other world out here, and if you could transform your mind, transform the way you think, you don't have to be imprisoned by your own thoughts, because freedom is right on the other end of the gate. You just have to push it open because it's already unlocked. Once you unlock the thoughts in your mind and you discover your potential, there's nothing that can stand in your way except the opportunities that you must cash in on. Does it require hard work? Absolutely. Does it require some perseverance? Absolutely. Does it require some tears? Absolutely. But in the end, you got to persevere. And as you're going, you're going to create a momentum. And there are going to be people who are going to push with you, and there are going to be a few to try to stand in your way. Those are the ones that get knocked over. And then you pick them up after you knock them over and say, come on now, get on up here. Let's do this together. And so what our company does and why I love it so much is that there is a group. You think back to when you were in school. Now, there were three groups. You got one group, these kids, man, these were the high flyers. They had all the attention. They were, people were ooh and ah about those kids. Then there was another group. Man, them kids be getting in trouble. They barely going to graduate, and everybody trying to make sure them kids graduate. They're on somebody's list. But then there's a group in the middle. This is the group that goes unseen. 
These are the voices that go unheard. These are the kids who are often neglected because they say, oh, that one's going to be all right. That's a really nice kid. That little Johnny is a really nice boy. Johnny got some C's and B's. Johnny's going to be all right. And Johnny goes through school, or Susie goes through school, or Lakita goes through school. All right? And as they're going through, no one's taking the time to teach them how to play the game so that they can maximize their God-given potential and then maximize their post-secondary options. So then they apply to college or they apply for scholarships. They have the ability, but no one told them how to play the game, and so they are a few credits, a few uh, point percentage points below what they need for a scholarship. Now, that kid gets a scholarship, but that kid gets into a university that opens up more doors for them. We're talking about changing generational destinies. And so our company, we come in to partner up with families to provide the coaching that's necessary from 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, and 11th grade. So by the time that kid gets into the end of their junior year, when it's time to apply for college, we will have coached that kid so that they have more post-secondary options. They have increased their sense of self-worth because there's things we're going to have that child do. And so what I've done and what my team has done, we take what we do in, for professionals, for adults in the world of executive coaching and leadership development, and we say, why not give it to the kids? I once read, take care of the children. I once read if you harm one of the hairs on them little children, it would have been better for you to be thrown in the bottom of the sea with a millstone around your neck. And so I said, well, if we got to take care of the kids, let's take care of the kids because they're not going to stay kids forever. And so that that's when we talk about this, this management of academics. It's a serious business. And as uh, I'm so happy for Shelly, I mean, uh, and it, it's um, – what we look at in terms of with, with her book that she has come out, you know, Dr. Shelley, she's doing amazing things. And my role is I want to continue to pump the pipeline. I want to feed the pipeline of amazing young women. Our company is not just local. Our company is global. And so you'll hear things in 2016 of, of different countries that we're going to be expanding into. If you go on my Facebook page, you go scroll down a little bit, You'll see an article that I shared about um, it was a post where the first lady of China, and she talked about the importance of education and opening opportunities for ladies. And I'm going to tell you there's a disproportionate amount of young ladies, young girls around the world who are not getting the education. And unfortunately in America, we have the tendency to take education for granted because we don't necessarily know how bad it can really be. But when you look at some folks in other countries, man, these folks, they fight, they scrap, they, they give all that they have just to get some education in hopes of a better life. And so this is what I do. I develop people. I take, I, I, my role is to bring leaders together, and we got to be the hands that, for God 
to mold our young people. We have to be the light bulbs that let God's light shine through us to light the pathway that leads these young people to healthy choices to let them know that their today is not their tomorrow and that they got to hang in there because just because you might have a little pain today, as the song says, trouble doesn't last always. And so that's what I'm all about. I'm on fire. Not about me. I'm looking for those words because at some point in time, I got to go home. And all I want to hear is, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's what we do. I am telling you, well, I know now why you are an executive leadership trainer and coach. And you just said so many things that just, you know, kind of went ding, ding in the head. And I think I can probably, you know, speak for all of you on the call that education is so important. And what you're doing, you know, it's your business, but you're also, you know, taking the young people along with you because, as we know, they have so many different challenges. And as you mentioned, I think American children, they, take it, they do take education for granted. Like when you're in Africa and there's, you know, all that war and craziness, you know, the people are suffering, but those children, somehow they get their uniforms, and they go to school, and they may have to pay for it. And, you know, we're talking about no running water, and you know, in some of these places. And so the call for education really is global. Here we know sometimes it's, you know, it has to do with economics. Uh, I was talking to someone, a lot of our kids now, they're not getting what they need to get into regular school. Now everyone is trying to go to a private school or a charter school because education seems so low on the list. It's everything else that's going on in the country. The one thing that kind of wraps my mind is, okay, we have all these great things. But let's say, let's take China, for example, or Africa, or, you know, people coming in from the U.K., People come here to get an education, and they get the education, they go to college, they may start a business, and then they start all over with, like, the next generation. Like, they just go, you know, once I have my teach one, then I'm going to the next, you know, teach one. And so those families, to me, seem more grounded where they can have, like, a family business and and whatnot. So, you know, if others are just, you know, dying to get here and get educated, and our kids are taking it for granted, and we're like, okay, our test scores are not going to be, you know, like what the U.S. used to be, number one, two, or three when it came to education. Now we're like, what, number 26, 27? 28, keep going down. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, keep going down. So, I mean, how, you know, not everyone has, you know, an Ed Reed to, you know, get in their corner and shape them. But what is the basic thing we can do for our children? Let's say if you are in a home where, you know, you don't have any money and you want to go to college. And let, let me put it to you like this, though. I want you to take a journey back 
And you can go on my Facebook page, scroll down. I posted something on Wednesday because I, I said, why wait to throw back Thursday? Right. And on that page, what you're going to see, you're going to see the Knoxville College fourth normal graduating class of 1914 in Tennessee. Right? And now this is a group about 100 years ago in Tennessee, Tennessee, of black folks were going to go to college. These are black folks who were told it was against the law to be taught how to read. And and so all I'm saying is this. You can be broke as a joke. I've had Romans and Roman noodles with some hot sauce. I got friends who were broke as a joke. But what happens, there is a mindset. Now, you got to forgive me. I get a little excited. That's okay. (laughs) I want to tell you this. You got to have no excuses, no regrets, and if if you got to do give everything you got to get positioned to get what you need it starts with a mindset and so i have this picture hanging in my desk and in the top of it the third one from the top is my great grandmother and i got to look at that picture and i call that my no excuse picture and what it tells me, I can't come up. And two, and the, being alive in America, I can't come up with a good enough excuse not to do all that I need to do to be all that God has created me to be. Absolutely. So if we say, I don't have no money, what am I going to do? Right? That means for parents, cut off the TV. Right, sit down. If you don't have any other books, get a Bible. I'm not trying to preach at you too much, but let's look at some lessons that you can learn. Go to the library. The library is free. If you don't know how to read, get some books on tape and begin to practice and learn how to read. So first you got to model for your children what you want them to do. You want them to be people of integrity. Yes. You're, you're going to teach some fundamentals. I believe there's a certain complacency that we have as Americans that has weakened our global position when it comes to having a hunger to learn and be able to produce. And when our consumption is greater than our production, we will forever be enslaved to the ones who are carrying our debt. And so you is you can be broke as a joke in this country, and you could come up with the right idea, put yourself with the right team of people, and you can begin to produce. But you have to manage your consumption so you're not consuming more than you produce. So when we talk about education, it starts really early. Right. It starts early. We got to start with our babies. Right. And I know for some folks, they might say, well, I don't got this and I don't got that. Well, get a piece of paper. If you don't got a book, write your own book. Write your story. And on the blank page, when you start the day, ask yourself, 
what experiences do I want to make sure I have today so at night when I write it down, I can begin to tell my story. Our choices shape our story. So if you want to tell your story of tomorrow, what choices will you make today? Because the choices you make today will become the story you tell tomorrow. And only one person can control those choices, and that's the individual. And so when we, we can't harbor on what we don't have, we got to be able to look at I'm sure Harriet Tubman, she didn't sit back and say, well, I don't have no Range Rover. I don't have no Timberlands. I don't know how we're going to get up out of here and get on that Underground Railroad. I think we're just going to be short. Nah, she pulled out her rifle. She said, either we rolling or you, getting, you got to go. But we're going to do what we got to do. The system was bad. And so what happens, we got to begin to reconnect. Now, I'm going to tell you the other piece is that as Americans, not just black folks, not just white folks or Asian folks or Hispanic folks, but as Americans, if we continue to bicker among each other, get caught up with things that that keep us fighting instead of keeping us joining forces to producing, you are going to look up. And while we're playing video games, watching TV, you know, being entertained, and consuming more than we produce, we're going to look up, and you're going to say, what happened? You know, you're going to say, what happened? When we look over in China, and I, I follow international education, when we got little kids over in China coding, and we got our kids picking up, you know, uh, a soccer ball that's playing soccer all day, and so you got people learning how to produce, and you got people learning how to consume. And so we have to begin to look at where do we need to do a cultural transformation as Americans so that we can move from being number 28 and get up in the top 10. And so that requires a transformation. And so the biggest thing, we got to look at how are we going to transform our thinking? Maybe we got to go say, hey, Paul, what were you talking about in Romans 12 with the whole renewing of the mind thing? What is that all about? And that's really about how we think. It's how we look at a situation. We've got to remove the self-limiting beliefs that keep us, that paralyzes us from living out our dreams. Because deep inside everybody, there's a dream. There's a gift. And then the elders, our job is to help our children take off the wrappers of their gift. Help them unwrap the gift that's inside because the bow might be a little too tight for their little arms. So we have to gently loosen up the bow, show them how to find what's inside the box, because they're the box. And God puts something special in every person that walks this earth. But sometimes the darkness is so dense because there's no light around them. So we got to be the light. we got to show them the way. And this is how we begin to transform our world, you know. And God gives us a great example. When folks was fussing and cussing and having a fit because they didn't like the manner that they had and everything, they were over the Israelites with this complaining, 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 and even Moses jumped in and complained. Well, God said, you know what, uh, you guys, none of you guys going to cross over to the promised land. Moses, I love you, bro, but you screwed up. And there was an accountability. 
So God poured onto the next generation. And so I believe God always has a lean to the next generation. And that's what we got to do. We got to transform our minds. We got to change some of our habits. Those of us who are willing to take a sacrifice, we got to be a light. We got to love other people. And we got we to gotta operate out of love, non-judgmental. Don't judge people for the things that they do. Just love them. It's not your place to judge. You weren't appointed that job. I wasn't appointed that job. I was called for the greatest commandment. And then there's two. Love God with all your heart and your soul and love your neighbor as thyself. That's all. So if we all just do our job, I think we're going to be all right. I think so. You said, yeah, of course, you, you hit everything on the nail, but that being accountable, and I think you know, if that starts in the home, that's great. And if you don't get what you need in the home, sometimes you know, your favorite teacher teaches you that or maybe your favorite coach, but teaching us how to be accountable and, as we spoke before, about having integrity, that will take folks a long way, myself included, but especially our children. That will take them a long, long way. And for the three of you, you each have a light that says, okay, I'm starting my company or I'm writing this book, and you're sharing your gifts. You all are out sharing your gifts. You're preparing young folks, and you're preparing even older folks who say, okay, I might be 70 or 80, and I want to start a business, or I want to write a book. So it's never too late to do the things that you want to do. And I was listening to uh, Oprah. You know, She has her Soul Session series, and as she touched on what you said, I forget who she was talking to. And um, they both either said it together or one before the other, is that God does not give you a dream, and I'm paraphrasing, that would not come true. That thought wouldn't be in your head if you weren't able to make it come true. And, you know, something like that. But what the mind can conceive, it can achieve. Because your mind is a pearl and you can do anything in the world. Your thinking drives your opportunities. Right, and God would not even give you that. And and that's powerful. And I want to to get get in with uh, Nicole Turner. Uh, Nicole is an, an author and she is... Fabulous. All you people that are around Larry are fabulous. So that's good to have the stroke be a fabulous show to have fabulous. Hey, hey look, hey look what what what, what, what 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 brother Ed Reed, we get a we get knowledge of business and we get a sermon, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and we need it all. And so Nicole, I don't want to keep keep you hanging there and you yeah. also do some do some consulting. So tell us about Nicole Turner. Well, thank you for having me on your show, and thank you, Larry, uh, for inviting me. We're all fabulous because Larry's fabulous, too, so, you know, you tend to attract what you are. So just to give you a a little bit about my my journey, when I first moved here in my early 20s from Mississippi, I had done a year of graduate school, and I decided, you know, I just want something different. And when I was in the 12th grade, I came here for presidential classroom. So when I thought I wanted to do international law, I knew D.C. was on my radar. And I moved here with 
no job, no family, no friends. I was practically homeless. I was a squatter here, there, and everywhere. And I tipped for a few months. And then someone said, oh, you should be a teacher. I was like, well, I really don't want to be a teacher. But, okay, my undergrad degree is in English, so, okay, fine. So I started teaching, and while I was teaching, I got a, a graduate degree in education, and my thesis for that degree was about the effect parental involvement has on academic achievement. So when Ed was talking, it was near and dear to my heart. And so I taught for a couple of years at middle school, and then I taught college for nine years. But when I left teaching, I worked for a corporate um, organization as a technical trainer, and, and so that kind of brought me into the whole IT world. And then after that, I worked for uh, a company that supported the Department of Defense, and I did things from quality assurance to program management, and then I ended up moving into cyber and national security, and now I'm in um, organizational health, human capital management, and diversity and inclusion. But one of the things that I noticed in all of those careers is that there was a common thread, um, not to take a title from Dr. Hipsky's book, but there was a common thread, and it was, it was the people. In every job I had, I found that I was inspiring and motivating and encouraging people on every single job. So it took me a while to have that aha moment, but as I looked back and began to put the pieces of the puzzle together, it started to make sense to me that God had a much higher purpose for me than I could even imagine. And so from that, I started, like, hosting, he said, she said, roundtables in my house and at different venues, and I had a radio show. I was the only woman of four uh, the Third Eye Open radio show, and I was an epitome of the relationship mentor. So I, you know, I talked to people about relationships, and I talked to people about those things that, you know, would keep them in a holding pattern, and then my blog began to explode. And so I said, you know what? I should write a book. Helping people, you know, identify those things in their lives that keep them stuck. So the title of my first book is Detox Your Life, Building a Healthy Relationship with Yourself and Others. Because when we think about detox, we think about the physical detox. But we tend to forget those mental and emotional toxins that keep us stuck. It could be childhood things. It could be financial things. It could be relationship. It could be self-esteem. The list just goes on. So in, in my book, I'm very transparent. Um, I share a lot of my own personal stories because oftentimes people think they are the only ones going through a situation. And so the book is really like a compilation of several of my blogs. And one of the things I was concerned about was that it reads like a conversation, not a traditional book. But what I'm finding when all these people are writing to me, you know, they're saying, oh, my gosh, I feel like you're talking to me. And, oh, my gosh, I feel like you're in my head. And so in part of my consulting world, you know, going in and assessing the overall organizational health, um, what I find is that there's a lot of toxicity in organizations. And a lot of organizations fail to realize that if you take care of your human capital, your people, they will take care of the mission. And a lot of organizations fail to realize the importance that diversity and inclusion plays on their bottom line. And so my next book, which is coming out this spring, is Detox Your Organization, to kind of help those organizations find their uh, areas where they are deficient and then help them develop a strategy 
to move forward. So what I found in doing my research for the second book is that not only are you transforming or am I transforming organizations, but I'm also transforming people in the process because you can't have an organization without having people. So there is a direct correlation between the first book and the second book. The first one is focusing more on the individual, whereas the second one is focusing on the organization, but the organization is comprised of individuals. And in April, I'm kicking off my Detox Your Life uh, tour, and my first conference will be held in D.C. on April 30th. So I'm excited about those, those things, and I'm excited that, you know, I can take a look in the rearview mirror and see how, you know, God orchestrated it all because most people, their resumes kind of read very similar. Their career paths are very similar. But my career path is very diverse. But what I found is that each um, job that I had, it builds on the previous job. And I tell people when I'm coaching the because I also do coaching, when I'm coaching millennials or when I'm coaching people in transition, I'm a little odd because I don't look for opportunities that utilize the skills I have. I look for opportunities that will develop skills where I may be deficient. And I think that has helped in giving me a broader understanding about organizations and giving me a broader understanding about individuals. So that's just to give you a little bit about me and my journey to where I am right now. And, I mean, you you, you also just spoke some truth. Now that. Um, very interesting is, you know what, look for something that you find more challenging and not just to go to the, you know, go the easy route. So that's a really, a really nice life life lesson is to push yourself, but um, it, you don't have, it doesn't have to be um, repetitive. You know, you can always do something more. But what I wanted to ask you, and both you and Ed have been very transparent, how does it feel to have had so many – is it hard to have those challenges put on paper? Or is it challenging to – well, probably not for you now. But <laughs> when you're, you know, you're working with people, whether it's an individual or whether you know, it's a company, is it comfortable to say this is my story and this is actually – what has happened, or does it take a, a while to get to that point? For me, it's very comfortable saying this is my story because oftentimes when I'm working with corporations, when they have an outside consultant coming in, they want to work with someone who one can relate to what they're going through, who can help them identify uh, areas where they need improvement. So one of the best ways for me to tell you that I am qualified to come in here and assess your organization and help you develop a strategy, help you move forward, is to share my, my journey. And so what I find is that my experiences have afforded me the opportunity to have a much broader scope because when you're so limited in what you do, then sometimes it is challenging for you to be able to step outside of the norm. So I'm, I'm very transparent. I, I say I'm from Mississippi, and, you know, we talk to the cows. So, so it, it's actually a, it's a part of my way of demonstrating that I am an expert in my field, and so it's, it's important that I share my story. 
it's important for them to see, oh, okay, she may have an understanding of what's really going on. Right, because, you know, I'm going through that now. And and do you find it more challenging to work with, well, I was going to say, you know, people and organizations, but you do have, you know, I'm going to say some crazy people that work in some crazy organizations. And, like, you know, we have all this stuff. Someone goes in, you know, they shoot up, you know, all of their coworkers. When you're working with um, a company, how what's the dynamic for that? So let's say the manager says, you know, I have someone, you know, that's, you know, off her meds or someone that's not really qualified for this job. As you're, you know, helping people, um, let's see, uh, you know, what's the what's the balance? Because you know, we individuals, we can have, you know, our own issues. But for a company, it can be several people that have issues, but you're trying to bring them in, you know, all into one one uh, big group. So how does that kind of work? You know, ironically, one of the biggest breakdowns with organizations is very similar to the biggest breakdown with individuals, and that's communication. So when I go in and I do focus groups, I I talk to individuals, I talk to teams, and I gather the data to really do a data analysis, you know, to help me support the route that I'm trying to take. And what I find oftentimes is it's really misunderstandings. So you may have a person who's not qualified to do a particular job that they were hired to do. However, that person is qualified to do something else. So I do work with organizations to identify the competency skills that are needed for a particular job, identify the gaps within the organization, and pinpoint people in the organizations who are in positions that are a good fit for them and a good fit for organization, or people who are in positions that's not a good fit for their current position, but there is somewhere else within the organization. One of the things I find that organizations do not do is that they're so focused on, I hired you to do this job, and this is all you can do. But no, most of us are gifted and talented with multiple things that we can do. So people tend to be typecasted, just like actors are typecasted, people in their careers are typecasted. And one of the things that I've also identified within organizations is that um, when you have someone who has moved up in the organization, unfortunately some of them have really coattailed someone else. So when that person, their coattailing moves, then they move. But what you have is a group of people who think just alike. And how far are you really going to grow as an organization if everybody thinks just alike? So that's where my whole diversity and inclusion piece comes in, because it's not just diversity from demographics, but it's also diversity of thoughts, diversity of ideas, diversity of experiences. And when I'm dealing with diversity and inclusion from organizations, I'm trying to help them get from compliance because people are still under the misconception that diversity and inclusion is affirmative action. They are two totally different things. Affirmative action is saying that you have a certain number of people under these demographics within an organization. It doesn't say that you are being inclusive and including those people within the organization. Just yesterday I had a session with a lady who is Asian. PhD, math statistician, very smart, but she works in an organization where everyone's a buddy. So 
you know, this person's my buddy and that person's my buddy. So if my buddy tells me something bad about you, I'm going to prejudge you and not give you the opportunity to, you know, allow me to get to know you. And so she's in a situation where she feels like not only am I being discriminated against because of my age, I'm being discriminated against because of my nationality, I'm being discriminated against because I don't speak English as well as an American. And it's very challenging trying to get organizations that are the good old boys or the, you know, we went to college together, we play golf together, we're best friends, we hang out together because the loyalty is really to the individual and not to the organization. So uh, one thing that I do is I, I'm kind of somewhat hard-nosed when I come in. I, I peel back the layers, and I'm going to be very transparent. Oftentimes they don't want to hear it. But in order for change to happen, you have to accept that the reality you thought was reality is not really reality. And there's also the whole accountability. And to piggyback off of what you and Ed said, I'm finding in some leadership positions there is a tremendous lack of integrity. And so what's happening is you are rewarding bad behavior. So in some organizations, especially like the federal government, there, I see that there's this thing promote up and promote out. So if someone is creating a toxic environment, the way that they get rid of them, they promote them up or promote them out. But what you're telling that person is that behavior is appropriate behavior. You know why you're telling them that? Because you're continuing to promote them. No one ever took the time to go to that leader or go to that individual along the track as they were moving up to say, hey, this is not proper behavior. So you have a lot of people in leadership who are missing the fundamental interpersonal skills to be leaders. They just don't have it. They're just not wired that way. So those are some of the challenges I see in trying to bring the people, the leadership, all together to develop something that will help the individual and the organization move forward. And, you know, what you said was key about, you know, you may not be in the right job. You're more talented in another job. And sometimes let's say your manager won't allow that because maybe they want to get rid of you. And so that whole thing of performance, you know, is the way, like you said, to, you know, kind of you either go up or you go out. And so I think mm-hmm. that I think that's really, really key. You know, so and so does not do a good job and so I'm going to fire them, and I'm going to have my best friend take that job who also may not be qualified. Absolutely. I've seen that a lot, too. <laughs> that happens a lot. Uh-huh. It is, it, it's amazing because, you know, if let's say, you know, when I was working and someone had a bad day, my first thought was, okay, now, do you act like that at home? <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you act like that with your your family and your friends. I mean, do you just you, you can't express yourself at home, so you bring that to work with you where you think you can express it and everyone will just go, "Okay, poor, you know, poor me. You know, what can I do to make her feel better?" Mm-hmm. And him feel better. And really, they're not qualified. <laughs> no. They're not. But they were fortunate because they either followed somebody they were friends with and as that person moved, they moved, or, you know, they were so horrible when they did interview for a job and the people called back for a reference, they just 
made it sound like they could walk on water just to get them out. And then you're in a situation where those people who are not qualified, not qualified skills-wise, not qualified mentally, not qualified interpersonally, they're in these positions where everyone underneath them is trying to bail because morale is so low and the environment is so toxic. And I'm just amazed now by the number of organizations that are missing the mark. And they, they make excuses. Oh, well, you know, morale is low because we can't give raises right now. Or morale is low because of this. It's never let me look inward at the leadership and hold ourselves accountable. It's always some external factor, not an internal reason. But look at the companies who are doing it right. There's a reason why Google is where they are. They are always at the top. You know why? Because they take care of their people. But a lot of organizations don't get that. Yeah, you are absolutely, absolutely speaking the truth. And now I'm so glad to have all of you on the call tonight. (laughs) I mean, what a great uh, learning experience. And now I'm going to kind of ease back over to Larry. And, oh, I'm sorry, um, Nicole, give everyone your contact information. Okay. You can find me on Facebook, online, Nicole is my Facebook um, URL. You can find me on Twitter, online, Nicole. You can find me on LinkedIn at Turner Nicole L. You can find me on Periscope, online, Nicole, or you can go to my company web, web address is OYAT, O-Y-A-T, group.com. But if you go to NicoleTurnerOnline.com and hit the consulting tab, it will take you to that as well. So. Those are numerous ways you can find me. <laughs> and, Ed, I didn't ask you that question. How can people find you? Oh, we're having some technical difficulty. Okay, can you hear me? No, no, I couldn't hear you at all. All right, want to try it again? Yes. <laughs> what I said is that I love what Nicole had to say and I concur with her, and, and what she shared has been my experience just leading organizations. And so it, it's so important to help people find their purpose, help them grow, and sometimes you got to help them go. All right. All right, and so but my contact information, uh, you can find me if you go on Twitter. I'm on Twitter underneath eReadSpeaks. And if you want, you can find me on LinkedIn under Edward Reed. You can also go to my company site, academicmanagementgroup.com. And you can also find me on Facebook under uh, Edward Reed. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Now, Larry, you have some more exciting. Of course, all of you are working together on different projects. But, Larry, you have some more exciting things coming up. So tell us everything we need to know about VIP concierge. Well, I'm excited to, uh, in 2016, to be launching my uh, Concierge Cares Foundation. Uh, so we will be uh, coming up on the nonprofit side. And Mr. Ed Reed has agreed to be a board member. So we, we're working out the things now to get uh, the DMV just the best uh, strategy solution where it comes to marketing, branding, uh, if it's mentoring, uh, we're going to be 
covering a full gamut with the Concierge Cares Foundation. So look out for that. And uh, obviously, um, you know, Nicole is going to be on your show on on uh, Monday, but I have some great things for Nicole to, um, you know, that we may have an, uh, a, a space for her. So I was calling her today. But the bottom line is that uh, look for a big initiative in the spring with Microsoft and Dulles. And I uh, can't wait to launch that. I just uh, signed a contract today. So we're going to be doing a really good spring uh, business network mixer. Uh, Nicole will be there and, of course, Ed. So look out for the new foundation coming uh, for VIP Vince Concierge, which will be Concierge Cares Foundation, and also the Microsoft uh, business mixer in the Dulles Corridor. So those two I'm very excited about, uh, Kamaria. And I just have to thank you again for allowing myself, uh, author Nicole Turner, and, and Brother Ed Reed, both of them, uh, just for a, a platform uh, to disseminate our initiatives. So thank you so much for having us tonight. Oh, thank you so much, Larry. You know, I will have you on any and every time you need, you need something. I'm a big fan of, of Larry White. And I want to ask you um, quickly before we end, for the nonprofit, where does that come from? Well, it, it really boils down to funding grants. Uh, a lot of times when you're talking to a lot of entrepreneurs, we, on the for-profit side, you know, when you start looking for funding and corporate sponsorship, these Fortune 500 companies, they need that tax write-off. So I will, I've had some experience on the nonprofit side uh, being on the board with the 100 Black Men of Baltimore, so I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of the things, uh, as, as, as Ed Reed were talking about, economic empowerment, uh, as pertains to education and, and that pipeline. We, we used to use the Collegiate 100 as our pipeline to the 100 black men. And we talked about mentoring, health and wellness, financial literacy. So the nonprofit piece comes in where Comcast, they have uh, dollars set aside each year for a STEM program. So we'll incorporate STEM into our nonprofit so we can seek those dollars. And once I'm able to fund on the nonprofit side, it'll be very easy for me to fund the for-profit side. So those are some things that we're going to be talking about in the Spring Network Mixer on how to run two companies parallel, especially when it comes down to funding and you're out here trying to help out the youth because you, you need a fundraising base. And uh, I find it a little bit more um, smarter if you can do it on the nonprofit side. Wonderful. And so as an entrepreneur, you can share that gift. So I am excited to hearing about that. And I wanted to thank you, Larry and Ed and Nicole and and uh, Dr. Hipsky, for being on the show and really sharing your gifts. And as you mentioned, uh, Nicole and I are going to chat on Monday at 7. And, Ed, I'd like to get you on the show as well and because I, I just kind of go to, you know, the each one teach one. And so I am constantly – learning, um, learning from folks like you three. And so that is a joy and a pleasure for me. And I thank Larry White for keeping me in the loop because, as I said before, Larry has a lot going on and he's connecting people. And I think that that's really important is connecting people. So thank you all. I'm going to say happy holidays to everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, happy holidays and blessings to everybody. Yes, I want Thank to you. Thanks to all of you. Okay, good night. Good night.
to talk about, ask you want to have ask the expert, I'd be happy to uh, just do a show for you where people call in and I can answer questions that they have about their kid's situation. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Let me end this call and then we can keep talking. So thanks, everyone. Tune in on Monday evening at 7 o'clock p.m. to talk more with Dr. Nicole Turner.